Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Watch your back, Jean-Luc. Jean-Luc. I'm Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Voyager. Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Welcome to The Greatest Generation. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys just a little bit embarrassed about having a Star Trek podcast. I'm Adam Pranica. Ben Harrison, sitting in a room that looks like a room, but is in fact a number of mosquitoes arranged in the shape of a room. <laughs> Three mosquitoes wearing a trench coat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, getting into a, you know, a movie with adult themes and also biting me. I am inside, and I have, like, deep woods mosquito repellent on right now. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's awful. It sucks. It has been a bad mosquito season this year in a place where mosquitoes aren't supposed to exist. Beautiful. Los Angeles, California. Yeah. It sucks. I've been getting them myself. I I heard one in the night in my ear last (sighs) night. That's a bad way to wake up. No, don't like Hey, you know what else is a bad way to wake up? My wife told me this story uh, just today. I have been sleeping so deep from being jet lagged or maybe (laughs) not jet lagged or whatever it is when you're flying for 24 hours and four days and you're not all the way on London time or LA time. Uh I'm like, I'm in the middle ground. Anyway, I'm sleeping great. I'm sleeping so great that there was a helicopter over our house last night that woke our dog up (laughs) and Ripley started uh, voicing her displeasure. And I guess in my sleep, I turned to my wife and I covered her mouth with my hand. (laughs) Jesus. Isn't that nuts? I have zero recollection of this. I was uh, just watching a Nova documentary about brain science yesterday, and they had a whole segment in it about sleepwalking and how like Parts of your brain can be on while other parts are off. And uh, it sounds sounds like whatever traveling 24 hours and four days did you. Maybe it did that specifically. Never slept better. Uh, <laughs> I recommend it. This is reminding me of a, of a little song I came up with. My wife and I uh, went and stayed at a house with some friends in southern Italy right before the London show. Used the, Your Italian friends or American friends who went to Italy with you? They're Americans. Okay. And uh, one of the days we, um, we just made food there at the house and I was making croutons out of some bread that had been bought a few days earlier and was no longer useful for bread purposes. Ah, uh, that... <laughs> Real fresh croutons are the best, aren't they? Yeah, frying them up in some butter, and then I, I was uh, crushing tons of garlic and throwing it in there with while they were sautéing, and I came up with this little ditty. I smell the croutons that you eat <laughs> when you're talking in your sleep. <laughs> I love that song. <laughs> <laughs> and I was doing it so much that everybody got it stuck in their head and they all hated me. That song is such a great bass dive bomb. You know, like it's a bass ditty and then that boo. <laughs> it's such a fun part. Yeah, it's good stuff. Has your wife forgiven you for a kind of uh, unwelcome and unwanted mouth cover? I got to tell you, like, I was horrified to hear that story. Like, yeah, that's not a nice thing to do to someone. And even though you weren't doing it consciously, it's like, yeah, like, hard to 
Hard to wrap your mind around having been that person. Yeah. Is this going to be another Pizzagate for you? Like, are people going to be like, Adam? <laughs> Boy, I hope so, because I love when accusations are leveled upon me and you without the accuser knowing all the facts mm. of the situation. That's yeah, great. It's fine. But yeah, I mean, I didn't remember that. She says it's fine. And I believe her. She's like, yeah, it was weird. You must have really been sleeping deep. So <laughs> I am, as ever, grateful to have such a forgiving wife. Your wife's great. I've always thought so. Yeah. What's the weirdest thing you've done in the middle of the night to your wife? <laughs> we got to get you on the board, Ben. I can't be the only one hung out here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, as long as we're crucifying hosts of Greatest Jet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let's get us both up there on those Krauses. I am not a sleepwalker. My mom has stories of when she was a kid, like, she would like sleepwalk out of her house and like down the street. Like mm -hmm. she really, really freaked her parents out a couple of times. I mean, she was like, she was growing up on That'd Air Force terrifying. bases. So it was like yeah. relatively safe, you know, generally speaking. But um, I've not been a sleepwalker. I do like talk in my sleep, but my wife talks in her sleep a ton. Oh. And uh, it's all incoherent. I don't hear the secrets that she keeps and I don't smell the croutons that she eats because she always brushes her teeth before bed. My loss, right? I can actually have interactions with my wife in her sleep when she's talking. But oh, that's great. I don't want to fuck with her like that. <laughs> but she will like out of the blue say something mm -hmm. and then I will try to ask a question about the thing she says. And just like when she's awake, she becomes very frustrated with my inability to understand <laughs> what she's on about. And that usually makes it a very brief conversation. <laughs> just like when she's awake. You're just being shamed back to sleep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's why I'm sleeping so deep. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. In self-defense. <laughs> well, uh, do you want to... Uh... <laughs> See if anybody acts in a strange amount of self-defense on today's episode of Star Trek Voyager. Oh, nice pivot. I didn't <laughs> see that one hanging there, but there it is. Yeah, let's get into it, Ben. It's uh, Star Trek Voyager Season 6, Episode 19, Child's Play. Reverse course. Unless you've got something a little bigger in your torpedo tubes. I'm not turning around. <laughs> and we open during Science Fair Day. Yeah. And the exhibits are awesome. The Borg's twins have uh, grown some potatoes in weird dirt. And they came up all weird. Did you read that these weren't even real potatoes? I, these are resin potatoes. I suspected as much because they are identical. But I also sort of thought maybe they were like photoshopped like they just had one potato and they did like oh. a clone stamp to put the second one in the shot it just looked weird enough and and it's low res enough that it was hard for me to tell in what way specifically it looked weird i thought this would be a unique prop item to own you know i'm always looking for these ben oh yeah always looking for a weird prop item in the last episode i really wanted that clear vertical bread box oh yeah wasn't able to get that one and i was like well what about these what about these resin potatoes like oh. certainly they couldn't be that popular right <laughs> 
So I go onto the uh, the It's a Wrap website, you know, the website that does all of the uh, the Star Trek auctions. And yeah, I type sure. in potato, two results, separate listings. Wow. Already purchased by Garrett Wong. <laughs> so bo- he got both of them? Or- he got Bofa, the potatoes. <laughs> that guy is absolutely inundated with props. He was stating the obvious again. Share some with the rest of us, Garrett Wong. Does he have, like, free time outside of just sticking on these prop auctions? I don't know. I mean, maybe that's how their podcast uses their producer, like, just mm. to win prop auctions. <laughs> we work with our producer for serious work. Yeah, yeah, our producer is actually... We would never give her a menial task. No, never. How about new? Not on my watch. Not once. So the job of an adult at a kid science fair is primarily to be excited about how cute things are, right? Like, sure. you got to really overdo it at a, at a children's science fair. Mazzotti has done a sort of uh, 3D ant colony. I like bugs. Well done. Naomi Wildman just has a globe. Like, she literally just went and bought a globe, looks like. People seem impressed by Naomi's science fair display. But I gotta say, like, deeply, deeply down the list compared to these other ones. Yeah. I don't think it's a good look for Naomi Wildman. I think they're humoring her. I actually looked for this globe on uh, on that auction website you mentioned earlier. Oh yeah, Ethan Phillips bought it. <laughs> Cut to like two foot shaped cutouts in it. <laughs> uh, but Garrett Wong got the first annual Voyager Science Fair banner, so uh, you know. See, that's fun. Yeah. That's the kind of stuff I want. Like, I don't have a lot of room in my studio for, like, actual things, but things I could put on a wall. I got a lot of wall space because these walls go all the way up. Yeah, they sure do. You got, you got high ceilings. You might have yeah. higher ceilings than I do. Yeah. How high do you think your ceiling is? I think these are 20-foot ceilings in here. Yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm working with 12 maximum. Damn. It's a weird building. We both yeah. have weird buildings that we're in. <laughs> They're so fucking bizarre. Yeah. So Icheb has actually done a science experiment. You know, like when you were a kid and your science project was like papier-mâché volcano that you pour baking soda and vinegar into. And then there's another kid that like did actual science. (laughs) You know, you're like, fuck. Yeah, but that kid wishes he did the volcano, right? Everyone wishes volcano. Yeah, I mean, volcano is fun. Did you have a science fair project when you were a kid? I remember being involved in it, but I also remember Volcano being off the table. Oh, yeah. Like, I think a parent knows when to discourage Volcano (laughs) if if their child isn't ready, because I would have just gone in there for the biggest pop, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that uh, Volcano was just a class project at my school, and then if... I don't know if I ever had a science fair. I don't think that that happened at my school. It's a shame. Do they have science fairs now? Yeah. I went to a science fair in the White House one time, the Obama White House. Listen to you getting White House invitations. Yeah. And uh, the guy that played Kumar from Harold and Kumar Go to White Castle was the guy running it because he was like the youth outreach ambassador or something. Wow. Were there... uh... 
Volcanoes made out of mini hamburgers. <laughs> there. <laughs> that sounds like fun. Yeah. I was really starstruck. I saw him and the president on the same day. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. I suppose the only volcanic explosion related to White Castle happens after you eat it. Oh, snap. <laughs> this is a science project that Egypt has made that is, that is so serious, so adult, so useful that like the, the overly kind, oh, that's cute vibe that the adults have given all the other children is replaced with a, oh, shit, we could actually use that. Yeah kind of react it's like a scanner that can find the types of neutrinos that come out of space buttholes and maybe help them find a, a way to get home a little quicker yeah you know they can just plug it into their existing scanners and uh seven is like uh you know talking to janeway off in the corner and she's like yeah like i think this kid's really got a knack for engineering and astrometrics and science in general and uh you know, I think he's kind of gearing for a permanent posting in the lab. And uh, Janeway's like, hey, I don't think that's going to happen, man. I think uh, I think he's going to be off the ship a lot earlier than, uh, you know, he would have time to qualify for such an illustrious position among the crew. Janeway points to a sign in the mess hall we haven't seen before that's now illuminated, which is stop. Like, they're going to make the next stop to drop off each ship. <laughs> On their way home. Oh, yeah. Jay, those windows along one side of the mess hall, that ha they have that, like, cable hanging yeah. from the top, and she pulls on. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Poor Icheb doesn't know this yet. He's leaving. Yeah. And it's Seven's job to tell him. They found his parents and uh, are looking to reunite Icheb with those parents. He's not going to be Seven's problem any longer. Yeah, this should be good news for everyone involved, right? Yeah. So uh, after the theme, she comes down to the ass lab and finds Ichib in there. And she's like, I have something important to tell you. And he's like, wait, first, let me tell you not much about how I'm just fascinated by science. This is classic kid shit. Like when it's bedtime and you're stalling. <laughs> wait, I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing chores. See? <laughs> chores. Look, I'm putting toys in, a, in the toy box. Yeah, so uh, his little soliloquy about how passionate he is about space science mm -hmm. kind of makes it hard for her to spill the beans about this situation. Yeah. So she's like, all right, just, uh, you know, once the chores are done, get to bed. And uh, she pays a late night visit to Janeway in Janeway's quarters to confess that she's having some nerves about telling Ichab what's up. It's weird how... Janeway does not see Icheb as like a voyesly crusher type. Like, <laughs> like he could be useful to keep around. She's right. not thinking that way at all. No, I think that the, uh, you know, despite Seven's nerves about hurting his feelings, these are two women that are extremely motivated to get the fuck rid of this guy. What do you make of Janeway wearing pips at night? Well, she just she wearing, doesn't like, need to wear those pips. She just took off her action jacket. She just hasn't. She hasn't completely got into her civvies yet. I kind of feel like when you're the captain, do you even need to wear the pips at all? Are you above the pips? Oh man, I think so. Man, if I had pips, I'd wear them all the time. I'd be wearing them right now. 
That's really it, isn't it? Like once you get that fourth pip, you got to show them off. Yeah. You got to get it on. <laughs> Seven refers to what Icheb will have to do as reassimilation. And boy, that is a very specific term, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Sounds pretty cutting. Yeah. And Seven's like, Captain, that's our word. <laughs> You are not allowed to refer to an A unless you are a B. <laughs> we are now way past Echeb's bedtime, and Seven goes down to the cargo bay, and he's still up screwing around with neutrino trajectories. Yeah. When's this kid going to fucking get some act right? Yeah. It used to be that Seven was a real strict mother figure. Not anymore. No. He's like one of these screw-around sci-fi kids that just wants to go to Tashi Station to pick up some power converters, <laughs> you know? Yeah. What a low life. You can waste time with your friends when your chores are done. Now, come on, get to it. Seven, is this your idea of a good time to tell a kid that he's going to be reunited with his parents? <laughs> yeah. yeah, she like suddenly rips the Band-Aid off. Voyager is due to arrive at their planet tomorrow. Right before he's about to go to bed, and he's like, I don't even know those guys. He totally, I don't know hers, his parents. <laughs> I don't know her. Yeah, I mean, there's that, but there's also, like, he really inflates his own sense of importance around the other kids, too. I mean, Seven's the leader here, right? Icheb is not second in command of the kids. <laughs> they depend on me. They'll adapt. I think that's a little presumptuous, right? Yeah, I mean, although, like, the way Borgs hierarchicalize themselves when they're disconnected yeah. is a little bit inscrutable. Like, for example, that time the tertiary adjunct was bossing around the primary and secondary adjuncts. Yeah, you can't have that. Our course is locked in. What? Listen to me very carefully, because I'm going to say this once. Do it. Speaking of uh, Borg's continuity, Seven says something about how she never saw her parents after they were assimilated. Yikes. We know that's not true. We saw her dad. Yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> Don't love the implication of that. Yeah. Like, is that not your dad anymore, Seven? Is that what you're saying? I really like how they bulk up all of the reasons that Icheb shouldn't be excited to go home to his home world. Like, <laughs> I love the unintentional comedy of Seven being like, yeah, your people are farmers and their ships are shitty <laughs> and they live on a very bad planet that's been totally blown out by the Borgs, like repeatedly. And, yeah. and Icheb hears all this and he's like, God, that's weak. <laughs> this sucks. <laughs> Do they even have uh, power converters? Do they even have video games there? Do they know what neutrinos are even? <laughs> you need to be on his side early. I, like, I really think this is an important scene. Like, yeah. not a lot of reasons for him to be excited here. The next morning, they pull up to this planet, and it is a real shithole. It's, I mean, you can just see from the surface, it's like a bad color of planet. Uh, <laughs> it is a bad color. They're talking about how like it's pretty it's pretty sparsely populated and it's little scrappy outposts. It's it's in a bad neighborhood. It's near a transwarp conduit, so board cubes are just flying out of that thing toward this planet all the time. Yeah, but Ben, those views. 
Mm-hmm. Pretty good place to put a starter house, I think. Yeah, it's sort of it's sort of the worst planet on the best block. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what you want, I think. You know, I I see this neighborhood turning around in five or ten years. This is an investment that's only going up. I heard a Whole Foods has got plans for this street. (laughs) And, you know, do I feel a little bit guilty about the families that are being displaced because they can no longer afford the neighborhood? Yes. But am I in charge of how the economic system works? No. Janeway has been all about giving people asylum over the course of the show. Even those who don't deserve it, don't ask for it. Whatever. But with Icheb, she's like, there's something about him I don't care for. Something (laughs) that makes people uncomfortable to be around. (laughs) Like, don't you think it's weird how she's not even neutral. She's like, this is the right choice to make. The reuniting of him with his parents. Yeah. So uh, Seven goes down to meet up with Icheb and we... uh, Cut to the six bay where he is getting his checkout diagnosis from the EMH, and uh, he's got a bad case of butterflies. I don't know. I think he was misdiagnosed. I think this is clearly irritable kid syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a lot of lip yeah. coming off of each up here. Yeah. Parents are irrelevant, really. You know, it's a very relatable displeasure he has like brunali culture sounds incredibly mid and he is excited about his newfound love of space science and those guys just don't have a lot to offer in that department i don't know how often this happened to you when you were growing up but it definitely happened to me all the time and it's definitely affected the way that i interact with kids which is like an adult making an assumption about how a kid is feeling about a certain thing and frequently assuming the positive feelings <laughs> about whatever that is, yeah, you know? Yeah. Like, the doctor totally blows this with like, oh, these are good butterflies. You got to be so psyched to get down to that pile of trash planet to uh, be a farmer with your parents, much in the same way that, like, I don't know, when I was growing up, I was not excited to do many, many things that my parents <laughs> would be like, oh, You are going to be thrilled to be signed up for this sports league that you showed no interest in previously. Like, shit like that. And on and on and on. And it's really changed, like, when I talk to my my friends' kids about what they're interested in or what they're doing, like, I never assume excitement. Mm -hmm. Mm Because I just remember knowing how shitty that felt and, like, how bad it made me feel to, like, not be on the same page. In a situation, right? Why do I feel like I'm being subtweeted right now? <laughs> because you feel this way too. <laughs> I just feel like you're trying to tell me how to be a parent. <laughs> no, not at all. No, that's a real thing. And like um, my wife and I have uh, found ourselves trying to make a conscious effort to try and like measure, like, you know, our baby doesn't speak any languages yet, but like there's, you know, when a baby is crying, there's an instinct to say like, it's okay, it's okay. And that feels like it really invalidates a situation where you get in there with a talk back, talk back. (laughs) I mean, it's very clearly not okay. So we uh, we're trying to uh, just be conscientious about like, you know, being available for his feelings, whichever ones they they happen to be, but 
Sometimes it's not okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a good idea to not uh, train your kid, or in my case, your puppy, to think <laughs> that uh, things are okay when they're not. Yeah. So uh, speaking of it's not okay, Seven walks into Six Bay and it's like, oh, fuck, are you hurt? And uh, he's not hurt. He's ready to go. I think these butterflies are 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 starting. <laughs> Can you give me anything for the nausea? Yeah. Doc. I love the establishing shot of this planet. Really great matte painting. You can see there used to be huge cities and now it's all rubble and like the the settlement that they're beaming down to is in the middle of a huge crater that uh, seems to have been part of a, a classic Borg's scoop everything up off the surface of a planet attack. I like the canonical scooping of a, of a Borg's attack. It's nice. Do you think they have a special ship for that or is that done by the cube? Well, if you look closely at the green beam mm. that a Borg's ship shoots, much like uh, a 7-Eleven Slurpee straw, there is kind of a hole oh. and a curvature <laughs> oh, at yeah. the bottom. There's a little spoon. Yeah. <laughs> at the bottom. <laughs> that's how you get up the bits at the bottom of the planet. Yeah. Yeah. That's the part that kind of carves out the, the section that they pull out of the saucer of the Enterprise, right? The Borgs are constantly looking for the ice cream at the center of the shave ice. <laughs> so... Uh, we meet Icheb's birth parents, and they seem pretty nice. There's a little bit of, like, combative chilliness coming from Seven at these folks, and they are admirably tolerant of it. Like, once they learn, like, who Seven is and what her deal is, like, I, th I think they're a, li a little scared of her at first and then are super cool about the situation. Yeah, I mean, it's awkward, and it's depicted as awkward, in the way that it should be, you just hate to see, God, there's something so visceral about like a parent asking a kid, how are you? And having that be just exactly the wrong question to ask in a moment <laughs> like this. Yeah. It's just so awkward. I hated to see it. And of course, like mom and dad are just getting their nuts totally clobbered by Icheb here. Because <laughs> not only are they asking the wrong questions, they're like, exactly the wrong people he needs to be with at the moment, you know? I would like to return to Voyager now. He has really been acculturated by Seven of Nine and his Borg's experience, and these, you know, salt-of-the-earth farmer people just aren't the vibe right now. I mean, his parents are one thing, but then, like, his dumb brother is across the way, like, <laughs> digging a hole or whatever. I love how Yevel, Icheb's brother, is always depicted as yelling at him from far away. <laughs> that was so funny to me at every point. At every point, Yevel is like no closer than like 30 yards away going like, hey, Echeb, let's go play baseball later. Echeb's like, who are you? <laughs> and he yells from across the way, my name is Jeff. <laughs> my name is Jeff. <laughs> We haven't used that sound effect in a long time. I wanted to put it in. <laughs> this meeting doesn't go great, and it's followed up by a second meeting up on The Entrepreneur. It's sort of a McLaughlin adoption. Issue one. It's got real parent-teacher conference vibes, right? Yeah. 
And this is sort of, it's sort of mediated by Janeway and it's each of his parents on one side of the table and Seven on the other. And Seven is kind of putting these people on the grill and asking them a ton of tough questions. Like, are, like how are you going to continue his studies? How are you going to take care of all of his unique medical needs? Like, what about recharging mats? Do you have USB-C yet? Are you still on USB-A? Seven. No, it's all right, Captain. There is nothing wrong with the questions that Seven has here. It's just the way that they're asked. Yeah. They're just not used to, like, being hit with such pointed demands the way they're getting hit with. And they, they have a lot of poise under this pressure. But, like, later the, the captain is like, hey, Seven, like, maybe knock it off with being totally without tact. I know you don't want to do it. Do it. Coffee black. Make it yourself. I'm trying to help you see this as an opportunity to grow. Make it yourself. Did you, in retrospect, feel manipulated by a scene like this? Like, knowing what you know later about how much there was to hide about the parents' relationship with Icheb? Like, to a certain extent, the story is intending to mislead you in a way that many stories do for plot. I liked this, though, because I think that it sort of continues that storyline of Seven being a reluctant hero to these kids. Like she has been put in the position of being their caretaker and supervisor and parenting them to some extent. And now with as much as she resisted that role and how, you know, uncomfortable it was to her at first, she's now like being the kind of protective parent that she never thought she would become. Yeah. Yeah. I do really like the scene for Seven in the way you're describing. And I do really like the scene in general for just how crackly this conflict is between them. Yeah. It feels totally charged. Because they're like, instead of space science, he could study agriculture. And she's like, he doesn't care about agriculture. (laughs) He doesn't want to know about agriculture. He does (laughs) like you. (laughs) And Seven produces a trapper keeper with a nubbin bug in it. <laughs> and they're like, what is that? Some kind of, like, is that going to, like, help pollinate our, our crops? And she's like, yeah, something <laughs> like that. <laughs> what do you know of conspiracies, Captain? Not nearly enough, I suppose. I love the idea of, like, break glass for nubbin bug. And just, like, <laughs> in the middle of any episode, like, what if you just dropped a nubbin bug bomb into it what would happen (laughs) we're 20 minutes from the end and a nubbin bug shows up what (laughs) instant favorite episode (laughs) legendary episode (laughs) Janeway's like Seven you need to leave like we can't have you in here like this and like She excuses her so that Janeway and the parents can, like, be alone for the last part of this meeting. And uh, Janeway has a suggestion here that I think makes a lot of sense. Why don't the parents spend some time on Voyager so that Icheb can get to know them in a familiar place? And that that sounds nice. That's good. Yeah. (laughs) The parents are like, is Seven going to be on the ship during? Because she seems kind of unhinged. (laughs) Yeah. Do you have, like, a Delta flyer you could send her on a... (laughs) Field trip in (laughs) something. (laughs) 
Janeway kind of rang Seven for the stunts she was pulling in this meeting and says, like, hey, listen, like, I understand why you're defensive and wanting the best for Icheb, but... There's coffee and a little more tact. You know, you got to sort of let Icheb make the call here. Like, you trying to control his destiny is is kind of giving overprotective parent, and uh, that's not really what he needs right now. Yeah. This is a really interesting scene for how it's blocked, right? Because it begins with that rail in between them. Yeah, and the captain higher than Seven. Yeah, and and when Seven discloses the reason she's so upset, being that Icheb's parents remind her so much of her own, Janeway comes out from behind the rail as if the block has been removed and they can get on the same ground with each other. It's really great. The hubris that these parents have of like, we know what's, you know, even though we live in, you know, essentially a Borg firing range, we can protect him as well as anybody smacks of the same kind of hubris that the Hansons had to Seven. And that's a deep seated wound that she is uh, feeling like she's reliving here. And it's not going to feel good. I really, really liked how that tied together. Yeah. I thought that was great writing. At no point is there, like, the third part of the <laughs> argument, though. Like, there's the the danger of raising a child on a planet under constant Borg's attack. There is the danger of parents bringing a child on a science mission field trip aboard a ship to study the Borgs in the mist. Mm-hmm. But there's also, completely unremarked upon, the danger of being on Voyager at any given point. <laughs> As well, right? It's not like the Voyager is a safe place either. No, it is not. But this episode really does make Voyager feel vastly safer than that planet. Like, Yeah, yeah. When they walk around on that planet and go like, nice planet sitting gig you got here. This place yeah. is a dump. Just wait till you see the pool. <laughs> there are many nice places on that planet. The kids are hanging out in the cargo bay. And this is all the kids, including Naomi Wildman. They're playing that game from... Uh, previous episode. Mazzotti's asking each have a million questions about like what's going to happen when you go live with your mom and dad? Like what what's going to happen? You know, we don't remember our parents. Do you remember yours? Are you finally going to stop acting like you're the boss of us or whatever <laughs> when you get the fuck out of here? <laughs> I think Mazzotti sees her angle. Like she's going to be the leader once each has gone. Yeah, this is great for her. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a just like a bunch of slickbacks hanging out in a room together, which. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just a bunch of slickbacks fighting over the pomade and the leadership role. <laughs> they were like, Next Generation had three slickbacks. What, what if Voyager had five slickbacks? It's too many slickbacks. Yeah. I think. It's like, uh, fuck it, we're going to five blades. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In walks Seven with a dinner invitation from Icheb's parents, and it's really less of an invitation and more of an order, right? Yeah, orders is orders. I'm not going. Your attendance is not optional. She takes him down to Neelix's restaurant where they're going to do this in a public setting, which I was like, this is kind of canny, actually. Like, get the family together, but do it in a place where there's, like, some social pressure not to scream and, like, flip the table over and stuff. There's a theory that's been a part of the uh, the Doughboys podcast universe forever, which has been like the Panera Bread is a place where difficult domestic news is shared. <laughs> like it's perfect for that. 
And it kind of seems like Neelix's is the Panera of Voyager. Because <laughs> I too was shocked that this wasn't a private dinner in someone's quarters. Even more awkward is that each of his parents hold down a four top, but have to tell Neelix that it'll be three tonight. Oh, God. That sucks. And he's like, come on, we're slammed. Like, <laughs> what are you doing to me? Like, <laughs> Icheb is pretty reluctant to sit down with these people and pretty reluctant to eat their food because yeah. uh, his mom is saying like, oh, yeah, like this used to be your favorite. And he's like, well, you know, like I just eat Borg recharge mat power now. I don't, yeah. I don't really mess with food. Unless there's a charging mat on that seat I'm not aware of. I think I'm better off standing. But those nostalgic flavors, man, they work every time. Unless you've been changed at the genetic level to be a different type of alien, in which case your favorite food doesn't taste good anymore. No offense, but it's got sort of a metallic flavor. There was a geometry to, like, the dad defending mom to get the kid to be nice here that made my skin crawl. This is uh, maybe just a personal sensitivity, but yikes. I did not like that. If you want to make your mom happy, you'll eat the meal that she worked so hard to make. <laughs> uh, I mean, it works out here, but if that's going to be how things work in their family going forward, there's going to be a lot of simmering resentment. Well, yeah, but in this case, you do see the ice start to break a little bit, and... Seven sees the ice start to break and has to leave the room. Where she goes and downloads cooking classes <laughs> immediately. <laughs> because she's going to make a meal that Icheb is going to love. <laughs> Computer, load holodeck program, Julia Child, 00 Alpha 7. Program loaded and ready. Hello! <laughs> <laughs> so the next day on the planet they're hanging out in their shitty settlement where uh they do have a pretty impressive grow up going dad is showing Icheb around showing him all the do you think it grows so well because there's an open sewer pipe venting through town i did not like this establishing shot of like the thick brown water just <laughs> rocketing out of a cylinder like eight feet wide. <laughs> and like right at the settlement too. It doesn't really I look know. like- it, lo it doesn't look like it's going around the settlement. It looks like it's going through. If I were a city planner down there, I'd uh, establish my settlement up pipe. <laughs> I really wanted to know like what the production secret was behind this. Because like, did they in fact like go to a quarry or something and like, pour tons of dirty water through a pipe to get this establishing shot? Or was that actually happening where they were? It seems like a great comp. Like, you get the pipe footage, and then you uh, you color time it to brown. <laughs> then you drop it in there. There's your brown pipe and your brown water. <laughs> color time it to brown was the name of your memoirs, right? Yeah, truly is. It's impossible to get non-GMO produce here, is Icheb's father's point, right? Mm -hmm. Like, they have really fucked with the genetics yeah. of all the vegetation. They're making it work, though. Their planet's totally fucked up, and they have great gene-editing 
technology. And this is actually kind of intriguing to Echeb. He's like, you know, this is kind of a, a cool type of science. And he's trying to talk to his dad about it. But then uh, his brother is like, hey, Echeb, maybe later we can go to Tashi Station and pick up some power converters. Are you into that kind of shit? Echeb, remember me? <laughs> My name is Jeb. My name is Jeff. <laughs> I had a couple of lines in an earlier scene and these are the last ones I'm gonna have. I'm not much of a character at all. Kind of confusing why they even left me in the script. All right, Eric Ritter reading for Yeville. Go ahead and uh, begin whatever you want. <laughs> so it says in the parenthetical, I'm just supposed to be yelling as loud as I can. <laughs> like all the dialogue? Really? All right, yeah. Okay. There's about 30 people in the waiting room, so if you get on with it. Like the waiting room the entire day is just hearing the yells from behind a <laughs> construction-grade door. They cast a guy that didn't nail the cadence of Echeb's name also. Welcome home, Egypt. That's funny. Yeah. You know what? He may not be able to articulate the words, but he's got that yell. Yeah. He's off in the bathroom going, Echeb. Ichab! Ichab! Jeb! Ichab! Ichaba! My name is Jeb. Dad tries to paint a rosy picture of the future of their society. Look, if you want to play with spaceships, you're going to have to build them yourself. It's basically <laughs> his point. <laughs> Not sure I love that takeaway here. No. But uh, seven beams down, like mid conversation, and restarts this tug-of-war she's been having with Echeb's parents about whether Echeb is staying or going. It's unfortunate to see Seven beam down, like, in the high heels mm. on a dirt planet. Yeah. Like, I wish they didn't take the wide shot of her on the beam down. She would look great in a pair of Doc Martens. Why can't she have some boots or something? Yeah. Yeah, something with a heavy lug. <laughs> Yeah, something with some gription for the, the loose dirt. A heavy lug is made for <laughs> walking through mud and dirt environments. <laughs> the floor of your bar is a mud and dirt environment? That's disgusting! <laughs> Get yourself a floor squeegee! The only refuse I want to see on the floor of your bar is peanut shells. We're turning this into a peanut shell dive bar! <laughs> The camera racks over to the wall where, like, there is an enormous menu, like a wall-sized menu <laughs> under the name Peanut Shell Bar. <laughs> I've given you 30 POS systems. <laughs> East Coast Barstool worked overnight to get these chairs in here. Each chair has skis on the bottom for sliding over the peanut shells. And I got a subscription to Bartender, so you can find out how much profit you're getting from your peanut shells. Seven's like, time for bed, Echeb. And Echeb's like, nah, nah, I'm going to stay here. I want to sleep with mom and dad. And Seven's like, well, you, you don't have a recharge mat down here. I don't see how that's really possible. And Echeb's like, well, why don't you build me one? You're not my mom. <laughs> and so Seven does with Echeb's dad. This is kind of a good look for Seven. Like, she comes down prickly and defensive and realizes 
I think in the over the course of this scene that this is not going to be a battle she wins by being defensive and shitty to Ichib's dad. Especially in public and especially 200 yards away from Ichib's brother, like where <laughs> where he can definitely see the awkwardness of this interaction. Hey, it seems like a weird footwear choice for beaming down here. What? Why don't you get some Doc Martens? Hey, is that an awkward interaction over there? <laughs> it kind of looks awkward based on the body language, I mean. I can't really hear what you're saying. Is the body language awkward because she's having a tough time standing in the loose dirt and rocks of our planet's surface? Or am I actually picking up on an emotional situation? Is my job really just to squeegee the raw sewage that runs through town? <laughs> Because I'm going to be doing this all day. What do you guys think about picking everything up and moving our settlement up (laughs) pipe a little bit? (laughs) So so Seven sets up Ichib's dad, uh, Lucan, with a portable charging pad that's, you know, battery powered. So it's not going to last forever, but it's going to be good enough for tonight. It's good enough for travel, right? It's yeah. like kind of like the travel kit that we have to take on tour. Yeah, exactly. And uh, they have a pretty interesting discussion here about uh, how and when Ichab got nabbed. I've, I've wondered, because they were really surprised at how tall Ichab was when he first beamed down. And I wondered if he was like much younger to them when yeah. he first showed up. He explains that he got nabbed four years ago. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if the Borg maturation chamber is uh, supposed to like accelerate growth, but uh, it sort of makes sense, right? You don't want a ton of baby Borgs on board your ship. No, baby Borgs are useless. Baby Borgs are Bible bunkers. <laughs> yeah, he he shares this like sad story about Echeb having been real into agriculture science and like runoff you know, without supervision and gotten... Ben, is that their idea of a fertilizing array? Is that what the brown pipe is? <laughs> like, they give it a very sciencey name. Oh, yeah, that's our fertilizing array. <laughs> it's just a sewer pipe. <laughs> yeah, uh, I've been calling my butt my fertilizing array for a long time now, so that would make sense. Yeah, you know, uh, I used to like experimenting in fertilizing array stuff. (laughs) It takes some prep, but it can be really satisfying. (laughs) Really harrowing story, right? Yeah, and this like very evocative story of a parent having lost track of their kid for just moments and that having been enough for the unthinkable to happen and he's been living with all this horrible guilt You know, we never had to worry about that with his brother. He's always been between two and 400 yards away from us at any given point. Yeah. Very far from the fertilizing array, really. No board's gonna get me over here! (laughs) Way too far away! I'm covered in raw sewage! That's why I don't get to sleep (laughs) it down! Just try to put me in a maturation chamber. I'll drown that water right up. <laughs> the Borgs hate me. <coughs> Too brown. <laughs> Very 
pretty sensitive nose on a board. <laughs> so uh, Lucan is like, so your parents must have been real busted up when uh, the Borgs got you too, huh? And Seven's like, no, <laughs> they were with me when I got got. Yeah, they they watched it go in. Yeah. And it's a it's a touching little moment, and we get another touching moment in rapid succession down on the planet where Ucheb is hanging out with mom and dad under the stars outside their little hovel. And the sound of thick brown water <laughs> slapping <laughs> on the muddy floor next to them. <laughs> How late do you guys want me to keep at this? Cause it's I mean it's dark. I'm real tired. <laughs> I can't, I can't even see what I'm doing anymore. I mean, I can smell what I'm doing. <laughs> I think there's a hole in my boot. <laughs> yep. Definite hole in my boot. <laughs> Turns out Lucan has a real interest in the stars himself. And this is great. Super relatable to, to Ichieb. A really sweet moment between him and his parents. And uh, the next morning, Ichieb shows up in uh, the ass lab to break some news to Seven. He does not have as hard a time breaking bad news to her as she does him. Real talk, though. How sad is Ichieb's brother to, like, not get invited into the stargazing or anything? <laughs> like, they fucking hate that guy. Well, I think it in uh, you know once you know the twist at the end of the episode, it makes sense uh-huh. that they're not like letting the other kids in their family get super close to each of right, yeah, but uh the darkness of this scene is that it is it is like the timeshare sales pitch, like you think that this person is your friend, that they yeah. are just trying to help you go on vacation for a much more affordable price and earn some equity in valuable beachfront property at the same time. And what they're really doing is scamming you. Yeah, like the darkness of, uh, yeah, the stars are really, really pretty tonight, huh? How'd you like to see them a whole lot closer? (laughs) And through one eye, because your other eye is covered up with an (laughs) ocular implant. (laughs) Sounds great! Anything to get off this shift! (laughs) I will take any job! You said I could work my way up. You promised. So Ichab tells Seven, like, hey, I'm, uh, I've decided that this is the place for me. I've reconnected with mom and dad, and I'm going down there. And yeah. she and Janeway take him to the transporter room and uh, say their goodbyes. And Seven gives him some nice goodbye gifts, stack of iPads and a, and a telescope. And he's like, oh, I'm not going to be needing that. They'll, uh, they'll just implant one. <laughs> Yeah. She takes the letdown like a champ. You know, Seven doesn't take people leaving her very well. Yeah. We know this about her. <laughs> Way to keep it tight, Seven. Yeah. She's uh, really repressing her abandonment issues very effectively in this scene. Yeah. And she and Janeway uh, bid Ichib adieu, and we fade to black. This is a commercial break. Maybe there's a fun commercial we could play there. I've got to get that platinum. Put your platinum where your mouth is. I've, I've got to get that platinum. Fortnite. I think you just drunk gold. 
A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES. To save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain, that's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it. With Squarespace. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. When we come back, it is Mazzotti Eyes to Big Reveal. 
Icheb was not captured in the way Daddy says. She's having a tough time recharging. She wakes Seven up on, on her charging mat and says, like, hey, I'm feeling real busted up over Icheb going. You know, Seven's trying to put her back to sleep, and, and this, this story comes out. Like, the Borgs assimilated Icheb by capturing him in a ship, not by scooping him up off of a planet while his dad was looking in the other direction, probably at Yvel. How does Seven not know this? This is a terrible bit of business. Yeah. So Seven calls Janeway to the ass lab like right after, and Janeway is pissed to be woken up. Yeah, she is not finding a 3 a.m. fuck to give about this initially. I had just taken off my night pips. (laughs) Now I had to put them back on. This better be good. And it's 3 a.m., so I was like, do I put the day pips on or I just get back in the night pips? Which is it? The truth is, Icheb was on an unarmed transport when he was assimilated. And why would his parents lie about this? Why would they lie about the circumstances of his assimilation? Why would they lie about the sewer pipe that runs through town that they're calling a fertilization node or whatever? (laughs) Why would they lie about how many years ago uh, he was assimilated? It's weird. It doesn't add up. And Janeway's like, this sounds like a pain in the ass. (laughs) (laughs) Like they both agree that like Seven's emotional about this and that like, She may be more interested than she would be ordinarily, but running this down is a priority, and it seems like they're going to do it. Yeah, like Seven has to convince Janeway that Lucan lying about this must be for some untoward purpose, but she just barely succeeds. And before the Voyager gets back to the planet, we have this scene between Lucan and his wife, whose name I did not write down because I'm a bad person. And uh, they're having a very diabolical sounding conversation. Like they're talking about like, yeah, he was born to do the thing that he did. He's not an ordinary child. We got to sacrifice him again. Like his his return was the gift that uh, we never thought we would get. We got to take advantage of this. And and the dad is like, maybe we don't. Maybe we just uh, keep hanging out with him. And Yuval's like, I don't know. I mean, like. Has anybody really gotten to know the guy? I've been four, five hundred yards away from him for most of the time, so I don't, I wouldn't know. Like, what's he like? I mean, maybe we could switch shifts at some point. Like, like maybe he could work out here for an afternoon. Has anybody thought to ask him how he is with a squeegee? <laughs> Icheb walks in completely oblivious, and he gets a "We need to talk." here, but there is very little talking to be done and a whole lot of shooting him in the neck with some kind of drug. Yeah. Pretty shocking turnabout for these parents who seemed super cool and chill the entire time. It's wild how visceral a hold him down is in a moment like this, right? Yeah. Ugh. I couldn't believe that they were able to overpower him, though. Like, he's, he's like, so much taller than them, and he's, like, Borg-augmented. It would be great if he still had his assimilation nodules, right? Because then he'd be like, fap, fap. (laughs) Yeah, now he's part of the no-fap movement. And then he shoots the nodules out the window, like between three and 600 yards to where his brother is. (laughs) Long distance fap. Hey, Echeb, something just hit this tree next to me. You know what that was? Did you throw something? 
the tree just turns into, <laughs> into <laughs> half machine, half tree. <laughs> hey, that's just like the next Transformers movie where everything is a Transformers now. <laughs> When they get into orbit, they get on FaceTime with Icheb's mom and dad, and they're like getting readings like while they're while they're talking to them that there is a ship like leaving the planet's surface, traveling at high warp toward the Borg's hole. Mm-hmm. They're talking to these people about like what you, what did you do to him? And they're like, this is what he was always meant to do. He wants to do this, and they scan the ship, and and Icheb's unconscious on there. They're like, I don't think so. Here's the twist, Adam. The pathogen that was fucking up the ship that they found Icheb and all the other Lilith Borgs on was from Icheb. It's like genetically engineered into his birdie. And yeah. when Borgs assimilate him, it fucks the Borgs up. And his parents genetically modified him using the genetic modification technologies they developed for their plants yeah. to create a, an Icheb weapon and send it to the Borgs. Do you think when the Borgs went down to the planet, like they ate some of the vegetables and they're like, <laughs> hey, three of eight. Oh, this cucumber tastes bad. This is really bad. I, I should have smelled it first. I got a very powerful sense of smell. And uh, <laughs> hey, hey, one of 14, put down the broccoli. Trust me on this. <laughs> You're not going to like what happens. Hey, I think the boards aren't falling for eating the vegetables. <laughs> the Voyager is going to go rescue Icheb from this ship that's basically headed straight for Borg space. And the Borg rescue sequence is really exciting and yeah. like daring and dynamic. Like they have to like, beam Icheb out and beam a torpedo into the ship that like is getting sucked into the Borg sphere. And then, you know, the Voyager has to warp away just at the right moment. I love the decision to compose the shot, not showing the entire sphere. Yeah. Like to show the relative size between the two in such a way where like you don't even see the whole Borg ship until it explodes. I mean, I also just love the like dynamics of the Borg sphere wasn't even going for Voyager. It was going for the ship Icheb was on, but they're like, yeah. they're behind it. So they're stuck in the same tractor field. Yeah. I love how they cut down to the planet surface and Icheb's brother is like, hey, I heard a big boom. <laughs> I heard something really loud. Is it the 4th of July? Like people setting off fireworks? What is that? Hey, has anybody seen Icheb? Like, he was supposed to be moving back in with us, and I haven't seen him around all day. Hey, my other boot has a hole in it. Like, whoever <laughs> needs to know that, I need some new boots. Maybe each of, uh, you know, grow out of his, and I can, you know, have him as a hand-me-down? So in Six Bay, uh, the doctor tells Janeway and Seven about Icheb's being a weapon with one goal releasing his pathogen onto the Borgs and killing him the way that, that he did the first time. Like, he's already done this. Yeah. We know it's a great success as mission goes. I thought this was such a great payoff of a mystery that I didn't even really think of as being a mystery mm -hmm. that they were setting up. Yeah. So they didn't need to synthesize the pathogen earlier when they, when they had Betus 
beat us in the vial in that same frame, right? Oh, yeah. They could have just milked Icheb for that. <laughs> so we left Icheb alone in his quarters and uh, went back later and were able to find kind of a lot of the pathogen in there. <laughs> found a Nike shoebox full of pathogen <laughs> under his desk? Yeah, so uh, I don't think we'll need to make it synthetically. <laughs> Seven finds Icheb in the ass lab and he's looking at his own genetic sequence and he actually kind of respects the choice that his parents made. Like the, the like, send me to kill all Borgs to preserve their way of life. Seven is on the other side of this issue. She's like, no, that's barbaric and horrible. And uh, this is like a pretty familiar argument we've seen in Star Trek. Like, can you xenocide the Borgs and feel good about it or not? What is the more horrifying realization that you've been genetically created to xenocide an entire species or that you've been made to wear a onesie made of clothing scraps that look like they could be from a Will Smith music video? (laughs) Yeah. You know what I love about what he's wearing is all the colors seem like related to a Starfleet uniform without being a Starfleet uniform. Yeah, yeah. Like, that looks like Science Officer Blue in there. bit like Wesley Crusher in that way. Yeah. He's like the I'm a Virgo of Wesley Crushers. <laughs> Maybe it was my destiny. Well, it looks like we're not getting rid of Icheb. No, he's, he's staying on the ship. But uh, did you like this episode, Adam? You know, I'm really easy to get along with most of the time. But I don't like bullying. I don't like friends. And I don't like you. What's funny about this episode is that like it really had an interesting question before it turned evil, which was like, parents, do they really matter? (laughs) Before like the big evil reveal of like, oh, these are evil parents. We don't want them around. Like before that part, it really made me think like, where's Icheb going to be? And who would really be better to raise him here? Like it's Interesting how this episode took such a sharp turn before answering that question, a question I'm still interested in the answer to. Yeah. But that turn is so crazy and scary that uh, I can't help but but respect it. I liked the episode a whole lot. I did too. I thought it was strong. And I think the strongest part was that similarity that Seven draws between uh, her own parents and their irresponsibility. And before we know the true evil of Icheb's parents, like the irresponsibility that they're showing toward the safety of their kid. Like, I thought that was great. And I know we've watched a lot of episodes before where we've been like, well, why isn't Seven involved in this story? And why isn't she there to ask or answer questions like this? Right. It's just nice to get an episode where she's there because she's supposed to be there. And she's asking the questions and answering the questions that we would have in these moments. So, yeah, I liked it. Totally. What about you? I feel like, you know, we're recording this like the next day after we recorded our episode from last week, Ashes to Ashes. And I thought that that was an episode that had a really interesting premise and kind of failed to connect the dots on some of the things that were most interesting about it. Especially the like, when do you decide to move on from somebody that you think is gone forever and what would it be like to learn that they're not gone forever? Yeah. Being a theme that the Voyager crew would be uniquely interested in. And then the episode kind of like 
doesn't really take that up in a serious way. And Interesting back-to-back here, huh? Yeah, so like this one being a way for us to explore Seven's feelings about the danger that her parents put her in and, you know, taking on the role of being the guardian of these kids and then being, you know, pushed by everyone around her to, like, loosen the leash a bunch and then finding that when she loosens the leash and he decides to go away it's like the her worst fear realized <laughs> like yeah. even worse than her worst fear realized like they they were planning to kill him the entire time yeah not just be you know not as good and enriching an environment for him but like the opposite like <laughs> it was so well done and so well written you know i think that the themes of the episode were really fully explored and it asked interesting questions and answered them. And um, I really liked it. We've got a couple more kids to go through this with. Like, I wonder if we'll actually realize the storyline as promised here initially with any of them. Like, I'm still very interested in the idea of what happens when we drop these kids off with their parents. Yeah. If they aren't evil. What would it be like if their parents weren't evil? Hmm. What about me? Do I get to stay with my parents now that we all know they're evil, or or what? No chance they've modified my genome, right? <laughs> right? Hey, you, you want to know what's evil? Making me work shift after shift with holes in my boots. How about modifying the gene for smelling poop? <laughs> all right, Ben, let's check our priority one messages. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Ben, our first priority one message is of a promotional nature. Okay. Okay. And it's from our friend John Patrick Green over at The Investigators. Okay. Here's that message. Investigators is a graphic novel series about two alligators named Mango and Brash who wear vests and solve crimes. Their seventh book is titled All Tied Up, spelled T-I-D-E, and has the dapper detective searching for a lost cruise ship. If you know a slickback <laughs> age six to ten who enjoys silly puns or an adult who enjoys obscure Star Trek references... Some that only FODs will get. This latest adventure will be right up their alley, Gator. (laughs) Have fun. Investigators, All Tied Up, is written and illustrated by John Patrick Green and comes out on 9-26-23. Hey. That's tomorrow. That's tomorrow. Wow. So check out investigatorsbooks.com. That's spelled I-N-V-E-S-T-I-G-A-T-O. R-S-B-O-O-K-S dot com for animated trailers and fun activities and to order the books online or even better, visit your local independent bookseller. Hell yeah. Hey, thanks for getting a P1, John Patrick Green, a person we've met in real life and who has been real nice to us over the years. Uh, designed our trunks trunks. Mm-hmm. I think these books are, are really great and I think any any kid in that age range and any FOD who wants to see some uh, some greatest gen references in print will really enjoy this. So I highly encourage people to grab this book. Good stuff. Investigatorsbooks.com. 
Investigators! <laughs> Mount up. Brash and mango. Mango and brash. <laughs> Our next Priority One message is from Laurel, and it's to Josh. It goes like this. Happy birthday to the most amazing guy you'd ever meet. Seriously, he's a nurse, a pilot, a perpetual optimist, and the best husband ever. Happiest of birthdays, Josh. Onward and forward to maximum adventures. God, Josh sounds awesome. Josh sounds cool as hell. God damn. A nurse and pilot? That's like a... How does Josh have the time? Josh is like a superhero. And managed to say optimistic through all of that? <laughs> you know what's great about uh, being a nurse and a pilot? You can tend to the onboard bedpans. Mm. <laughs> of a cross-country single-engine airplane flight. <laughs> but not on your birthday. Happy birthday, no. Josh. Happy birthday, Josh. Take the day off from tending to the onboard bedpans. Keep that rating current. Our final Priority One message is from Rebecca, and it is to Neil, Rochelle, and Pierce. That message goes like this. Thank you all for giving up your summer, for being amazing, and for all the help. Also, super exciting to meet a couple of FODs in the wild, per se. I'm guessing Pierce isn't one yet, but just give him a couple years. I don't know what this one's about, but it sounds like a bunch of people... Gave up their entire summer to help Rebecca, and uh, that sounds like FODs, you know? That's what FODs do. They're a giving group. They give up their summers for a good cause. Yeah. Wow. Well, if you'd like to support a good cause, like our show, one way you can do it is getting a priority one message at MaximumFun.org Jumbotron. You don't have to give up your own summer to do it. It's just uh, 100 for a personal message and 200 for a commercial message. Yeah. We appreciate it. Hey, Adam. What's that, Ben? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda. I'm over here. <laughs> I am too. I'm the Shimoda. <laughs> I'm just tending to all this, all this sewer water. It's, it's, it's starting to get, get to me now. They asked me to see if you could stack up a slurry of brackish water and feces like <laughs> Jenga tiles, and I don't understand why. Yeah, I mean, that's an easy one, right? <laughs> you know what's fun about that Shimoda is we conjured that Shimoda during the episode. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. <laughs> well, Ben, our game of buttholes, Will of the Prophets... Was broken during our last episode. I uh, got to the bottom of this with Craig Anderson. Here's how technologically stupid I am. I was like, "Hey, Craig, what's going on? Like the like, were you mad at us about what happened with dinner in London?" And he's like, "No, I just logged into the account, and your credit card uh, is no longer up to date." <laughs> cool. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> It was as technical as updating credit card information. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> I feel very bad for having, even given the whiff of a suggestion that it was anybody's fault but my own, <laughs> it was mine. It was mine mm -hmm. all along. And mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, yeah, we're, uh, we're back in business, though. The board game is working. Great. 
I say we uh, get this thing going. What do you say? Ben, while I go over to the game of buttholes, the will of the caretaker, why don't you tell us what the next episode's going to be about? It's uh, season six, episode 20, Good Shepherd. Janeway must tend to her flock when she finds three misfit crew members need some special attention. Did we already have this episode? God, it seems like it. Is this like a retread of that season one episode where Tuvok has the people like jogging around the ship? Oh, yeah. Let's follow up with those guys. Is that those guys? Ben, our runabout is currently on square 83. That's the second row from the top, four squares ahead. We've got a measure of a man episode. Oh, boy. It's really the only thing we're in any danger of hitting. Okay. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. All right, I've got the die in my hand. Here we go. And I've rolled a six. Okay. Chula! Did I win? Hardly. Which puts us on square 89. Nice. (laughs) Uh, It's a regular old episode. How about that? That's apt because this is episode 489 of The Greatest Generation. How about that? Yeah, fun. Glad to have the game back. Next week should be a fun one. In the meantime... Why don't you check out our other show, Greatest Trek? Comes out every Friday. We're in the middle of uh, reviewing Lower Decks episodes right now. Having a ton of fun with that. I also, we haven't shouted this out on the show recently, which we've been remiss about, but uh, we are still raising money for the Entertainment Community Fund. As of this record, the writers and actors here in the U.S. are still on strike against the AMPTP for fair working conditions in the entertainment business and... We uh, really stand in solidarity with them. You can go to friendsofdesotoforlabor.com if you'd like to support that work. This is a fund that uh, just kind of helps people out financially if they're out of work because the shockingly greedy assholes that run uh, MPTP have forced this strike. Ben, I'm just checking on the amount raised so far. At the time of this recording, uh, Friends of DeSoto have raised $7,784 for who I believe are those most instrumental in creating the entertainment that we love and the source material for the shows that we make. Yeah. So thanks to everyone for throwing in on that. If you got a P1 for any of our live shows on our tour that we're on right now, those funds are also going toward that total. So uh, we really appreciate everybody that goes to greatestgentour.com and gets a P1. And uh, while you're there, get some tickets to a live show. We got a ton of fun shows coming up really soon. As of the release of this episode, we are gearing up for our big East Coast run. We'll be in Boston on... October 3rd, Brooklyn the next night, Philadelphia a couple nights after that, and Washington, D.C. The show is really crackling right now. I feel like uh, it is a great live show, and we'd love to see you out at them. Listen, we we got a standing ovation in London. Yeah. That's that's something. They don't give standing ovations to anyone. That's what Chuck Bryant said. They're like, look, these people don't laugh, and they don't give standing O's. (laughs) They did both for us. Yeah, they showed us their real face. We got to thank a few people. Of course, Wendy Pretty, the producer and editor of this program, really doing uh, a ton of extra stuff during the tour to keep the shows coming out on time, doing a, a great job of it. Speaking of people just standing in flowing sewer water, <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> sweeping it away. That is, that is really the audio equivalent of what she's been doing lately. Hey, Wendy, this job sucks, huh? <laughs> we really appreciate her efforts. We sure do. She's really the best. Uh, we also appreciate the efforts of Bill Tilly, the card daddy, running the social media accounts at Greatest Trek. Reach out to those accounts if you want to send something in for a future Code 47. We have one of those coming right up, and I'm looking yeah. forward to that. Dark Materia made the music you're listening to now. Adam Ragusea makes all the original music and interstitial music for the show and has for quite a while. Check us out online. Join a group of Friends of DeSoto, one of the many places on the internet that they gather. And with that, we will be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek Voyager and episode of the greatest generation Voyager that uh, really fucking slaps at the base. Can't wait to find out what you mean by that. Oh, wait. Does Tom Morello play guitar or bass? Fuck, he plays guitar. Ha! Leave it in. <laughs> Wendy, I'm begging you. <laughs> I'm just gonna, I'm gonna keep going down this tangent. Maximum Fun, a worker owned network of artist owned shows, supported directly by you.